0: Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Overpowering Emotions. Today I talk about how we can build our children's emotion regulation skills as part of the summer building series and today specifically looking at the systems and um, managing our own stress. So last week I talked about how we can't focus too much on the kiddos. Or teens, especially when we're discussing anxiety and emotion regulation management. But I really want to get into that emotion regulation piece in general, not just the anxiety. So it doesn't matter if we're talking about anxiety or anger or frustration. I mean, anger is secondary to anxiety and even frustration, but even excitement. You know, if you've ever had a kid who's overly excited and you're like, just calm down of these big emotions. So just to make sure we're on the same page, when we look at what emotion regulation is, it's the process by which we influence the emotions that we have and how how we experience them and how we express those emotions so when we regulate our emotions we're affecting the occurrence of those emotions the intensity the duration and and how we express them right and so how we regulate often depends on how we evaluate internal or external emotional cues so something happens and how we perceive it really affects how we're going to regulate those emotions and even just the experience of the whole situation because we can have two people in the exact same situation but they think about it very differently, one's excited, one's a little bit nervous, that's going to change how they're coping. So when people can self-regulate um they're usually able to do what they need to do even if they're really angry even if they're really anxious they can still do what they need to do they can still achieve their personal goals and complete tasks so we can see emotion regulation it's so important it affects learning it affects our social interactions it affects our long-term health and our well-being and overall success in all areas of life so our ability to regulate our emotions really affects everything our behaviors our persistence our mood our whole life. So it's important. It's a big one. Now one thing I really want to emphasize with when I use it self-regulation or emotion regulation, it's not self-control. It's not controlling my emotions, right? There's a range of skills that we need to work on that are going to help kids be adaptable, be flexible to whatever situational challenges or social demands that are coming up. It is voluntary. It's the voluntary response to be able to adapt to and cope to a situation. So we don't have control. That initial feeling and the initial emotion that comes up, we have zero control over that, those dials. You know, if we look at the emotion dial and our acceptance dial or willingness dial are very different things. So we can't put all the pressure on the child. It's never only the child's problem. It's not only just the child's behavior that has to be solved. To help our kiddos learn how to be self-regulate and to regulate their emotions, we have to start with the systems. And there are lots of different systems around the child change is way harder when we're only focusing on one system at a time, especially when we're just focusing on the child, right? If we're just focusing on on them making changes to improve their emotion regulation, to have great success, we have to change the whole world around them. Emotion regulation and even building resilience, it's not a do-it-yourself endeavor. It's impossible And so that's why I'm stopped. I'm not seeing kids on their own anymore. I've stopped doing that for a long time. It's really impossible to do it yourself, especially as a child, right? They have to have sufficient care and sufficient support. And so, you know, we always need to focus on nature over nurture when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to emotion regulation, because regulation depends more on what we receive than what we have. And same thing with resilience. It all depends on what we get from our environment than what we necessarily have internally, our own resources. I'm certainly going to talk about the skills and the things that the kids need to work on, but we need to make sure those systems are in place for them to develop those skills first. So there's lots of different factors that influence a kiddo's ability to cope from, obviously, the individual child, but to the family, to the community, and to the larger society. So when we see, when we're looking at self-regulation, Emotion regulation, there's several processes and multiple systems that have to be in place for the success to, to occur. Tripping on my words today. So yes, there are definitely, like I said, individual skills that kiddos need to learn to cope effectively, but they have to, they, they live within a system that can affect their success with building those skills and with coping. So we really have to build not just the child's, but the families and even the communities and society's capacity to cope, because each of those are going to influence our kids' capacity to cope. So today I'm focusing specifically on the family and parental stress, because that's a huge piece of what contributes to our kiddos big emotions as well. So to give you an idea though of the community, I'm really not gonna focus on the community and societal factors, but but they are at play. So at the community level, for example, that can include connections with peers. It can include the education system, opportunities to take risks. So I will talk about those at some point in the future, not for the summer series, but those are different examples of some of those community level factors. At the societal level, it can include things like the social and cultural values that we find ourselves in. But it could also be public policies, legislation that's affecting us as well. But I want to focus on the family. I always talk about how anxiety is a family problem. It's also a family solution. So I have a self-regulation pyramid, uh, which I have in the show notes for you. Um, The most foundational piece is the supportive environment. And we can break that down even more. Stable environment is so important, but it's the adult's ability to be able to co-regulate and manage their own emotions and not passing their own stress on to kiddos, and that's part of a stable environment that I'm going to focus on for today. So as we focus on emotion regulation, it's essential that us adults are regulating our own emotions first, because how can we ever expect our kiddos to do so, right? Especially if that part of the brain that controls the emotion regulation and keeping their cool, it's the last to develop. It doesn't develop until they're adults. So we have to be their surrogate frontal lobes to help them to regulate. So we need to learn to show vulnerability in an effective way, right? We're not going to go lose our cool and be stressed and irritable with our kiddos, right? We have to recognize our own unhelpful thoughts, our own unhelpful behaviors, even just breathing regularly It's something we don't do as adults when we get stressed, not the breathing's necessarily anxiety strategy for our kiddos that we want to use, but we're not showing how we're managing. We're not talking about, man, I'm feeling stressed. I need to take a break. I'm going to go for a walk. So our job as successful co-regulators for children is to maintain calm. That's first and foremost. We have to maintain calm and balance. So that means we need to have mastery over our own emotions first. The way kiddos or teens and even young adults can cope effectively with their stressors is when we can maintain the calm. Kids can function optimally when they have effective co-regulation support, no matter how upset they are, no how, matter how big their tantrum or behaviors are, if we can maintain calm and balance, they're gonna be able to regulate way easier. So if we we need to think of self-regulation as a bucket of resources or sort of a gas tank, right? So I, I kind of love, love using the analogy of a water bottle. So for example, to be optimal, to be able to regulate our emotions optimally, we want to have this bucket full right up to the top. When they're a baby, so what kids can put in comes up from the bottom. What well, we need to put in, we put in, we add, we supplement from the top. So this is their tank of resilience, of self or of emotion regulation. When they're a baby, there's nothing in their bucket at all. Nothing in their tank at all right? They actually have a very loud startling cry response to ensure that they can get our attention if they're uncomfortable, if they're in danger, right? So that's a protective mechanism that's pre-built into our babies, but they're not able to self-regulate. They, they have that startling cry so that we can come in and fill up what they need, right? so So we are immediately filling up the rest of their bucket they can't do it and so they need us to immediately fill it up for them comfort them feed them bathe them connect with them as they get older they're starting to learn a few skills right but it's slow process because it doesn't fully get to a point where they can do it themselves until they're well into their adult years it's a slow process so they're going to learn to get a few skills but guess what we still need to fill the rest of the bucket for them. Obviously they're gonna need more support the younger that they are. But even as a young adult, they still don't have a full book bucket. And so yes, we still need to support our kiddos when they're 18, 22, 25, right? We still need to be their surrogate frontal lobe and, and maintain that calm. So that's gonna be really important. Now there's key times where we really need to to be optimally co-regulating. All the time is really important, but preschool time and teenage years. These are really key times that we really need to learn to keep the calm and and, and maintain that balance. In other times of development, it's usually a little bit easier. We always need to maintain the calm and balance. But sometimes it's really hard in those preschool years and teenage years. And so if the adults in a child's life can't fill the rest of the bucket, it's going to affect that child's emotional, cognitive, behavioral functioning. So there's lots of different things that we can be doing to be helpful. Our connection with our children is certainly important, and I always am talking about our connection, right? remaining flexible, remaining open to understand their perspectives. That's why last week I talked about responding, and I'm going to be talking about responding again in future episodes as well, because that's the key piece to maintain the calm and balance, the key secret. So ensuring we are able to optimally regulate our own emotions first. Okay. before we even worry about our kids, because if we can't do that, we're just contributing to their anxiety, to their big emotions, to their upset, because the adults in a child's life are keys to model effective coping. So this is true for teachers in a classroom as well. So this is a really important topic because the last two years have been incredibly stressful for parents and for teachers. And we've seen a huge surge, and especially in parents, but we've seen this huge surge in anxiety, right? And so we're experiencing far more stressors than people without kiddos at home. So parents are have had way more stress than than people who don't have kids. And so our kiddos are far more stressed too. School closures, all the activities being canceled, all of that was very stressful for sure. But a major cause of the children's stress has actually been the parents' stress and how parents were managing COVID. So one thing you gotta know is that even by putting on a happy face, Our kids can still pick up on our stress and our energy, right? And and, and there's been some fascinating research done over the years to show how contagious our own stress is to our children. There's this emotion contagion. So for example, there's one study where researchers, they took 12 to 14 month old babies and they had them with their moms and then someone comfortable that they knew that they were comfortable with, moms had to leave. And so the babies were left with this comfortable caregiver. And so the women were split into two groups. So all of everybody took stress-related baselines. So when moms were calm, when moms were content, and then the moms had to go do a two-minute speech about their strength. So they had to go talk about themselves. And then they had a and a session afterwards. Super stress-provoking, right? Now, one group received positive feedback for their little speech about themselves. The other group, though, they received negative feedback about their speech. So uber stressful, right? So not only do we have to go, now people are criticizing us. So the moms were then from each group reunited with their babies, and the infants were immediately affected by their mother's stress levels. So the researchers, they saw that the baby's heart rate, that even changed and actually mirrored their mother's. Even as a baby, they can pick up on our our facial cues, our posture, our voice tones, our odor, our emotional cues, like even sweat glands and heart rates, all of that start to mirror their mothers. And as they get older, they're always constantly looking at us for feedback. You know, How should I react here? How should I react here? I remember having a bad bike accident in grade four and I was fine. And then I saw my mom's face. And then I freaked out because then I looked down and saw blood everywhere. And then I freaked out, right? We're always looking at the important adults in our life to figure out how we should react and their stress levels directly mirror our own up until teenage years. There's a lot more stuff going on in teenagers, teenage years, but even then we could still be modeling and mirroring a lot of this. So when we try to act calm, but if we're still anxious or we're physically agitated, you know, we're probably doing and saying things, we're just still letting off this energy, right? So we got to think about that and, and, and we got to look at, are we getting enough sleep? If we're not getting enough sleep, if we're super stressed, it's going to make it really hard to try to act calm, right? We're, we're probably more likely to overreact and to be short and to even yell, and, and we tend to act far less appropriate at home. So our kids are going to see all of that. Even if you're upstairs slamming things, right? Like you're not even interacting with them. They hear that and they pick up on that. And so we're modeling our own anxious behavior, our own stress behaviors, our own angry behaviors, frustrated behaviors, and our kids watch and they learn from us. So even the message that they, they hear about how stressed we are, that can really affect them. Now it's okay to be stressed and to be angry. It's what we do with that energy. That's the important thing, right? Um, Other researchers, they had kiddos completing puzzles. And this is something that I've talked about before, but they're doing different puzzles and moms were allowed to watch. Now they only had one rule for mothers, no talking, no sounds of any sort. You are to stand behind your children as they do these puzzles. A hundred percent of mothers, this never happens in research where a hundred percent of participants do this, but a hundred percent of the participants of mothers broke the rule. None of them could be quiet. They all said something, even if it was like a oh, you're so close. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like just little sounds, like you know, all of them said something. Now, what's interesting is as mom's stress went up they're all hooked up to wires and stuff and and checking stress as mom's stress level up went up kids stress levels went up when mom jumped in to help their kids or to say something mom's stress level went down guess what kids stress level went through the roof so even though parents thought that they were being helpful and trying to help their kids it actually stressed their kids out more so not only is stress contagious if we're stressed it's affecting how we care for and how we interact with our kiddos we're way less responsive we're way less sensitive to our kids needs which can be stressful for them too and we're not going to respond in helpful ways right we tend to be way more inconsistent and even harsher in our interactions with our kiddos so we're more likely to yell or to snap or to respond in a cold or frustrated way than trying to have a calm discussion even just myself the other day i felt so bad i was just so stressed you know nothing was really working out um everything was going sideways my my kiddo was like mom what okay sorry and then away she goes I'm like oh no no I'm sorry Uh, this is me like I'm stressed and so I went and fixed that situation so talked about how I'm feeling stressed that wasn't an appropriate reaction I didn't need to do that right so now I'm going to try to model what I what I do want We all experience stress and anxiety. That's normal. And it's okay for our kids to see that, but it's all about how we deal with our stress and anxiety. That's what's going to help or hinder our kiddos' emotional growth. So if we manage it effectively, our kiddos can see that too. It's also so emotionally exhausting when we suppress our hurts, when we suppress our disappointments or grief or failures, losses, and worries. So that's why we can't suppress them and never show that because all of those all of those feelings have strong emotional energy and they have to go somewhere. So if we're trying to bottle them up and shut them down and never showing our kids ever any emotional pain, it often turns to depression and despair, right? Or lashes out to our children. So we have to develop strategies for our own well-being for our kiddos. So I'm gonna dig into the stress um, specifically in the next episode, because I think that that's really important. But for this week, I just want you to start looking at what is on your plate. How are you responding? We're going to continue that. How am I responding to my children? What are some of the barriers that are getting in the way of me being able to connect with them and to respond in sensitive ways to them? Because that's going to be really important to think about. So for this week, practice that. Practice looking at how are my emotions coming up? How are stress You know, how is stress coming up? How am I responding? What can I tweak so that I can model the very things that I want to be able to model, being able to identify how I'm feeling being able to respond in a helpful way, problem solve, how am I going to manage this stress, but also looking at what's getting in the way of you and your own stress or exhaustion or whatever else is going on, getting in the way for you to be able to respond in a sensitive, supportive, encouraging way when your children are feeling anxious. So thank you for joining me today. Go and love your kids, help them be bold and courageous. And I will see you next week. And we will jump in specifically on how to manage our own stress. Take care.